This evening I'm going to, I could have picked the whole Bible to, 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 to use as an opening scripture this, this evening um, and you'll see why. And so it was very difficult to pick out the examples that I wanted to use because I could have used from Genesis to Revelation was very difficult. So tonight I pray that you would be blessed. I pray that the Lord would speak to you. And I'm just going to pray right now and then we'll, we'll begin. Lord Jesus, you are in this place. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that you're willing to speak through us, to us, Lord. Lord God, that we would walk with you. Jesus, that we would know you. Lord God, I pray tonight that your word would find good ground. I pray, Jesus, that you would give me the utterance to speak your word, that you would anoint the word as it goes forth, O Lord. O God, I pray that you would be glorified, and I pray that you would be exalted. Lord Jesus, in every life that is sitting here in this place, Lord God, that we would know how much you love us and the extent that you have gone to so that we would know you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll start with Psalm 103, Psalm 103 verse 8. And then we'll read two verses in the book of Joel, chapter 2. Psalm 103 verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And Joel 2 and 12 and 13 says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Tonight, my thought comes from the term game changer. The term game changer originated in the world of sports. Surprise, surprise. It first appeared in the newspaper in the, the early 1980s and referred to a critical moment within a game that radically changed the what seemed to be the determined outcome. And all you sports buffs that are here right now already have pictured or know uh, an outcome that dramatically changed with soccer, I don't know, football, whatever. I don't know any of those things, so I'm just going to continue. So up until that point... Victory was certain for Team A. This is my example, Team A and Team B. Up until that point, victory was certain for Team A. They had it in the bag. The game was theirs. But Team B makes a totally unexpected play and wins the game. That is a game changer. Since then, the term has grown. It no longer has anything to do with games or sports, but it's become a buzzword that is used in a variety of contexts to define a new factor or element that changes an existing situation or activity in a significant way. A game changer can be a person, an event, a thing 
that, dra- that dramatically transforms the course, strategy, or, or character of something. One such event that fits that description is the invention of the steam engine. The steam engine was designed to harness the power of steam by using boiling water to create mechanical motion. Its first use was in 1606, where it was utilised to pump water out of flooded silver mines. And then, in in the 17th century, a new and improved version was used to pump water out of coal mines. It went on to be used to drain wetlands, supply towns with water, and pump water through water wheels where they used to, that was, you know, the big wheels that were used to power factories and mills. It continued to go, to undergo further improvements, making it faster, more powerful, and efficient. The steam engine would change the course of industry and become the catalyst for the Industrial Revolution. The steam engine was a game changer because it altered the course, strategy and character of the mining, manufacturing, transportation and agricultural industries. It changed the course of history, making way for combustion engines, gas turbines and even the nuclear reactors that we have today. The introduction of sin also fits the definition of game changer. It's a new factor that changed the variables of the perfect world that God had created. It was a new element that altered the existing situation forever for humanity. Adam and Eve were God's prized creation. The earth and all they could see was created for them. Humanity was created to love to love God and to love their neighbour. Their first commandment, the first commandment always existed, although not formally recorded until Moses. God desired that humanity would reciprocate his love. But for love to exist, it requires liberty. It cannot be purchased and it cannot be forced. It cannot be made to love someone or something. It has to be a choice. It was God's desire that he would have a creation that would choose to love him. So he provided the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree was not placed in the garden to harm them. God didn't set them up to fail. But it was provided in the garden to give them the choice. For them to exercise love, they had to have an option They had to decide to obey. They had to have the option to accept or reject him. Without the tree, there was no choice. From the moment that Adam swallowed his bite, death and sin took over, changing everything. Adam and Eve were immediately separated from God, their source of life. Sin changed the course of humanity and introduced death to the environment. They surely died as God said they would if they ate of that fruit. When we are born, we're born separated from our source of life. We are born to die. We are born with the nature that lends itself to sin. We don't have to be taught to do the wrong thing. It comes naturally. 
But God is faithful even when we're not. And his love is greater than anything we have ever done. And although God was grieved the day, the, that day that Adam and Eve sinned, knowing they, what they had done, he still came to meet them as he did every day at the appointed time. He knew they would not be there and he knew where they were. But God delights in mercy. Their disobedience was no surprise to him for he had anticipated this day from before the beginning and he had a few game changes of his own. When God came into the garden and Adam and Eve were not there to meet him, he called out and asked Adam, where are you? This question was not to find out what the physical location was, but it was God offering them the opportunity to repent. Adam knew they disobeyed. And instead of accepting responsibility, he made excuses as to why they couldn't show themselves. He said, I heard the voice, Genesis 3 and 10, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. There was a confession of sorts that was eventually dragged out after God had asked a few more questions, all of which he already knew the answer to. God knew Eve had been tricked and that Adam ate freely. But instead of accepting responsibility for his sin against God and asking forgiveness, they began the finger-pointing, deflecting the fault from themselves and justifying their actions. When it was obvious that repentance wasn't coming forth, God pronounces judgment on them or punishment on them. He makes coats with skins of sacrificed animals to clothe them. Blood is now required to make atonement for their sin and they evicted from the garden. I wonder how everything would have played out had they repented. Had they said, we did this, God, and we're so sorry. We don't like what we feel. I wonder what the world would look like if they had only humbled themselves before God and repented. Repentance is the game changer that allows humanity to access God's mercy. And it has been available in every dispensation. It dramatically transforms the course of one's life and is the element that changes the existing situation. Repentance leads to life. The Oxford Dictionary defines repentance as sincere regret and remorse. It is the act of repenting. Oxford also tells us that to repent is to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. Sincere repentance requires more than a confession or a feeling of wrongdoing. A repentant heart accepts the consequences that are, are a result of sinful actions and makes amends if possible. Repentance also encompasses the desire to change and takes steps to facilitate that change. Throughout the scriptures we are shown what repentance looks like and what it doesn't look like. 
2 Corinthians 7 and 10 tells us that for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Godly sorrow describes game-changing repentance. It is a change of thinking which results in a change of direction and of action. It is the realization that sin is committed against God. Godly sorrow or repentance that God is looking for takes responsibility for the wrongdoing and comes humbly before God to ask his forgiveness. And it also encompasses the commitment to love, to choose to obey. And this kind of repentance is not regretted. When the prodigal son came to himself, he was in a pig pen. Eating the husks, he was meant to be feeding the pigs. He had wasted his substance and spent his inheritance on the high life. As he sat in the pig pen, he reevaluated his life. He saw the things about himself that he was ashamed of. He didn't sit there reminiscing about the good times, about the parties, about the friends. But he sat there and thought about the grief he caused his father. And he thought about his father's house and all the things that he had given up and where it had led him. And then his mind turned to the the servants at home. It was most likely that he had treated them badly. They were beneath him. But now who was beneath who? They were clean and served inside. They had a bed to sleep in and food to eat. And here he sat, dirty, starving and sitting with pigs. It was in this moment that he came to himself. Something changed in his thinking. He would go home. It didn't matter if he didn't get his room back. He would just be happy to live in the servants' quarters, clean and dry and fed. The prodigal prepared the speech that he would rehearse before his father. Luke 15 and 18. Luke 15, sorry, verse 18 and 19. I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. The prodigal realizes that his sin was against God. When he left home, he knew he was rebelling against his father. But when he comes to himself, he sees the truth. His rebellion was against God. He had sinned before his father. He had disregarded his father's advice. He had wasted everything that his father had given him and he had disgraced his father's name. We see the attitude of the prodigal was one of repentance because he comes home in humility, willing to accept that perhaps the relationship with his father won't be restored and never be the same. And that was a consequence of his sin. Repentance makes a way for mercy, for the mercy of God to reach us. The father was waiting and when he saw his son finally coming home, he ran to meet him and embraces him. The father calls for a celebration for his son which was lost and had come home. Repentance was a game changer for the prodigal. Mercy came running to meet him 
and walk him home to the father's house. Mercy covered his rags with the robe and put a finger of favour and affection on his hand. Mercy put shoes on his feet and restored him as son. Luke 19 tells us the story of Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector in Jericho and quite high up. Luke tells us that he was chief among publicans. No self-respecting Jew would have anything to do with him, not even his family. Zacchaeus was considered a traitor by his own people because he worked for the Romans. He was an outsider and he was a thief, taking a few extra mites here and there along the way, along with the taxes to supplement his own income. Zacchaeus was curious as everyone else was in Jericho the day Jesus came through. They'd heard the stories and everyone wanted to see him. Unfortunately, Zacchaeus was short, which meant that the view of the street was blocked by the backs of people. All he all he could see was their backs. No one was about to do him any special favours by letting him in front of them. However, being small had its advantages and he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree where he had a bird's eye view of the street. Nobody knew he was there and he could watch un- uninterrupted without remarks and without being pushed or trod on. Imagine how Zacchaeus felt as he watched Jesus come and stop directly under the tree and look up and call him down and say, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for dinner. Of all the people Jesus could have stayed with, he chose Zacchaeus. This caused quite a stir among the people because they all knew what kind of man Zacchaeus was. I believe that repentance took place before Zacchaeus stood before Jesus. Perhaps it was in the tree. As his words to Jesus was a commitment to make right. Zacchaeus displays the fruit of a repentant heart. Verses Luke 19 verses 8 to 10. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Repentance was a game changer for Zacchaeus. His repentance made the way for the mercy of God to reach him. Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house that day. Salvation, robed in flesh, dined with him and restored him to son. He was an outcast among those who claimed Abraham as their father. Jesus proclaimed to everyone that Zacchaeus was also a son of Abraham. Verses 9 and 10, And Jesus said unto him, This day salvation has come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Repentance was the game changer that changed the destiny of kings, of cities, and of nations. Hence, I could have used the whole Old Testament just about. But I can't, I can't go without mentioning Nineveh. Nineveh was a city in Assyria. Assyria was the enemy of Israel. And the Assyrians were brutal and very cruel. God tapped Jonah on the shoulder and gave him a message. 
He asked Jonah, he told Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh to deliver a message to the Assyrians. I'm pretty sure Jonah might have got excited thinking that he was about to pronounce judgment and this is going to be good. But Jesus said, but Jesus, but God said to him, tell Nineveh, tell Nineveh that judgment is coming. But Jonah didn't want to deliver that message. It wasn't too, I guess it wasn't specific enough. But Jonah wasn't keen to deliver that message. In fact, he went to great lengths to avoid even setting foot on Assyrian soil. God's message was one of judgment, but God knew God, but Jonah knew God. He knew that repentance would be a game changer for that city, making way for the mercy of God to save them from destruction. He didn't want to go to Nineveh just in case they repented. Jonah knew that God was gracious. He longs to help others. He knew that God was merciful. He hurts with those that hurt. He knew that God was slow to anger. He's willing that none should perish. And God was great of kindness and delights in withdrawing judgment. Jonah knew that about God. And as far as Jonah was concerned, they could be destroyed. He was not interested in being involved in the salvation of the people of Nineveh. But Jonah does go eventually and he preaches the message God gives him. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Jonah chapter 3 verses 5 to 10. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them and even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Cry mightily unto God. Yea, turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them. He did that he would do unto them and he did it not. Repentance was the game changer for Nineveh. It delighted God to withhold judgment and to pour out mercy. Repentance is the way that leads to the heart of God. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. His was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He preached repentance. Repentance was the way to prepare for God to come. Repentance was the way. The repentance was what made the way, prepared the way for Jesus' ministry. Repentance is what prepared the people's hearts to hear the word of God. He preached repentance and baptized people unto repentance. He demanded fruit of repentance from those he, per he perceived came for the benefit of others or just to make themselves look religious. 
Repentance produces fruit. It produces actions that prove that repentance has taken place. There's something that has changed. Changed. Repentance desires to be obedient to God. The prodigal rose from the pig pen and began the long, humiliating walk home. That was proof that repentance had taken place. He moved away from the filth. He left that behind. Zacchaeus gave half his goods to the poor and committed to paying back what he had stolen with interest. The fruit of repentance is here. Zacchaeus was determined to make restitution to all those that he had ripped off and to give to the poor. The inhabitants of Nineveh put on sackcloth, which is a symbol of grief, and cried out to God. They confessed their sins with remorse and they turned from their evil way and from the violence that was in their hand. That was their greatest sin, was the way they treated other people and they repented. The fruit of their repentance caused them to turn from their evil ways and to put away their violent behaviour. John the Baptist's ministry was all about making the way clear for Jesus to fulfil his purpose. Repentance is the path towards God. It gives us access to the mercy of God. We are born in sin. We are born walking away from God, walking away from his mercy. Repentance causes us to change our direction and we begin to walk towards God. Walking in repentance means we desire to obey and please God. We are no longer the ones in charge, but the word of God is the, the authority that we follow. We don't, want, we don't want to be walking away from him. When we realize what we've done, when we realize the direction we were going in and we change direction, we don't want to go back in that direction. We don't want to walk back into judgment. We no longer desire to do the things that we know displease God. As a result, our actions and our attitudes change. Things that didn't bother us before begin to bother us. We no longer desire to be part of ungodly behaviour. Biblical salvation requires repentance as the first step. That is because we must acknowledge that we have sinned against God. Every sin we commit is against God. And if it's in his word and it's defined as sin, we must repent. It starts with repentance. Jesus died in our place to pay the price for all sin. And because he did that, we must die to our old life. We must acknowledge God is sovereign and that we have sinned against him. We must ask him to forgive us and we must turn from our wicked way. Jesus was buried in a grave and as Christ was buried, we also must be buried. Our burial is in baptism. We are baptised in Jesus' name to wash away the stain of sin. We are forgiven at repentance and the mercy of God is extended to us, but we still carry the stain or the mark of sin on our soul. God in his mercy made a way that we can be clean. When we are baptised in Jesus' name, the stain of sin is removed and we are given a new name, 
We are given the name of the Father. We are given the name of the Bridegroom, and that name is Jesus. This is not possible without repentance. Repentance is the game changer. It's what gives us access to the mercy of God. As Jesus rose from the grave, we too must rise to newness of life. We must be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. The Holy Ghost is the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. It is the same power that when the trumpet sounds, it shall quicken our mortal body and this mortal will put on immortality and this corruptible will put on incorruption. The Spirit of God in us gives us the ability to obey the Scriptures and overcome evil with good. We cannot receive this power without repentance. Repentance leads us to salvation and salvation is only made possible by the mercy of God. Repentance is the game changer. It is the event that would dramatically transform the course of our life and without it, we are destined to judgment. Why don't we stand this evening? Cass, if you'd come. Repentance is a commitment to obedience. It is a commitment to honour God and his word. It is a commitment that gives us access to God's mercy and transforms the soul from death to life. Repentance is the game changer that will restore all that was lost in the beginning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah tonight. If you need a game changer, if you don't, if your situation, if you can't do anything about your situation, perhaps there's something that you're struggling with that keeps dragging you backwards. Repentance. Come to God and be honest. It's all he wants from us is to be honest. To be honest about who we are. He sees us anyway. And I think sometimes we think, you know, oh, God knows. Yeah, God knows, but he needs you to be honest with yourself before him. He's merciful. He's plenteous in mercy. He's plenteous in mercy. He has abundant mercy and in his love he made a way for us he made a way for you and he made a way for me he did not he did not set us up to fail he did not go to the trouble of the cross so that we would fail he's given us everything that we need to succeed hallelujah tonight i want to open this altar If you need repentance tonight, if you need to be honest with God, if there is something that you're struggling with or you want to make a greater commitment, it's repentance. Repentance. It's not just for the, it's not just for the sinner, but it's for the ones that have been living this, this life. Perhaps we said something, perhaps we thought something. Perhaps we've offended somebody. We're to love one another. We're to love God. And there are times when we just have to ask him to forgive us and to make restitution 
with our brothers and our sisters. Tonight, if you need to speak to the Lord, I ask you that you come. Ask him to search our hearts. David was a man after God's own heart, and yet he sinned. He made mistakes, but he knew how to repent. He knew how to access the mercy of God. Hallelujah.